So uh, we have our launch team here and my family. So here's my girls, Whitney um, and our little girl, Harper Rose. I definitely uh, married outside my league with Whitney and Harper Rose is... Um, I guess if you can combine energy drinks and fireworks and Christmas all in one, that's her. Um, this girl doesn't stop. Um, and so we, uh, we've been here now for four months, still trying to figure it out. Um, but I'm telling you this, being a dad is one of the coolest things I've ever, I've ever done. Because um, like, here's the weird thing is like, and if there's any parents in the room, and if you don't have kids, um, but you've seen kids, I'm sure, right? You, you get this. Man, like, they start off as like this just ball of like, Eating, crying, sleeping, and going to the potty. Like, that's all they do. And slowly, like, I'm watching that little girl become a human. And, like, it's the coolest thing, but uh, it's the weirdest thing because, like, I'm seeing more of myself and her every day. And especially whenever she's, when Whitney's really annoyed with her, she's like, oh, yeah, she's definitely your kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, she gets so annoyed. And the truth is, a lot of what she has, what she does, a lot of her facial expressions, everything about Harper Rose, a lot of it, she's learned from me. Which makes me like, what does that picture say about her? Um, she learns from me. Um, she's up for any adventure, I guess. And this next one, uh, this face just kind of sums it all up. Like, that is our life. Um, so what does that say about her dad? I don't know. But, but psychologists say this. They say there's this idea of attunement, um, which is the need infants have for face-to-face interaction. So you guys, if you smile at a baby, what does a baby do? They, they smile back, right? Or um, Infants learn to respond and duplicate the faces we make to them. And then based off those faces, like they know how we feel about them, how we think about them. So you smile at a baby, a baby smiles back. Um, if you frown at a baby, they frown back. So whoever you are frowning at babies, we have a meeting for you on the pool and the pool and the roof afterwards. And uh, we're going to dunk you and leave you. On, I'm kidding. Um, give me a pity laugh, please, somebody. Uh, there we go. <laughs> But see, here's the thing is I know this. The truth is Harper Rose has learned a lot of like how she interacts with life and a lot of her facial expressions, um, her responses to life of watching how myself and her mom look at her and like how we respond to her determines a lot of, of, of how Harper Rose looks and smiles and, and responds at us. Um, so she's learned, Harper Rose has learned what we see in her by how we look at her. Right, so Harper Rose knows what we think about her, how we feel. She knows when we're aggravated. She knows when we're happy, uh, based off how we look at her. Um, but my question for you today is like, have you ever wondered uh, what God sees when God sees us? Like when God looks at each one of us, like what does God see? And then in, in Galatians three twenty seven, we actually we actually see that that when God sees us, He sees His Son. So He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our mistakes. But when God sees you, He He, he sees His Son. Numbers uh, 6, 24 through 26 actually says this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I think about this, like, you know how, how nice it is? Like, um, I, I don't know, I didn't get the lady's name, but we walked in this morning to like the volunteer huddle and there was, we, we got greeted by the lady that works the tent. If I knew your name, I would shout you out, but I, I did a terrible job of doing that. But the smile, like she was so excited to see us and we're still waking up. I'm like, get away from me, woman. But like she was, I'm kidding, but she was like happy and there's something special about a smile. But then we think about God and he looks at us and there's a smile. Um, but there's also this, this flip side to it of that when God sees us, he sees his son. And so when God sees you, that, that flips everything because all of a sudden there's purpose and identity to life. Like when we know how God sees us, it changes how we see life. It changes how we move from day to day because we know when God sees us and he sees his son, like we can walk with purpose. 
We can walk with some intentionality behind us. And we're continuing this series called Prove It. And we're talking about like how do people don't just believe that Christianity is real. They don't believe that like what we're saying, like like studies have even shown that today people believe less likely to believe the Bible than they were 10 years ago. Like they don't take it at face value. They want you to prove it. Like our call in life is to prove that Jesus is real, that he's alive. Not just say it, but to, but to prove it. And we've been talking about living a life that helps prove that the joy and peace we have is real. But oftentimes for us, I think it's hard to prove it. Because when we think about our lives, like we may see the past mistakes and say, man, it's hard to prove it because of, of, of this, this thing in my past. Or maybe you're like, if you saw how I lost it on my kid in Target last night, I definitely can't prove it. Or maybe for some of us, um, it's that blown marriage that we see Maybe, um, maybe it's the mistake we made last night as, as we left the bar and we like, man, there, there's no way that I'm the person that can prove it. Or you might even see the fact that uh, you don't even know what you believe about the Bible. You're here just because the friendly lady out front and you don't, you don't know if you believe anything we're talking about or the songs we're singing. And you're like, how, how can I prove it? Or maybe you're so discouraged in life about where you are because you, you thought at this point you would be here and you're wondering how do you prove it? And one of my favorite, actually, before I, before I read this verse, I, I was thinking about um, every day I, I, I take Harper Rose to school, almost every day. Some days I sleep in and let Whitney do it. But um, I take her to school and I'm walking her up to the, and she's in kindergarten, so this whole thing is new. Like, it's, it's weird, but like, I actually like kind of cried the first day I dropped my kid off at school. By the third day, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You're like, go. Um, but every day when I walk her to school, we stop at the patio and I, I tell her this, I say, um, I tell her this, I go, Harper Rose, I'm proud of you. I say, you're beautiful, you're a good friend. You're going to have good friends and you're gonna be a leader. And the reason I tell her that is because I need her to know how her dad sees her. Because when she knows how her dad sees her, there's purpose, there's identity, and there's a confidence that she can walk in. And then Genesis says this in 127, is that so God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Actually, I read that all wrong, but you can see it on the screen. You get the idea. <laughs> but here's the thing. When we see how God created us, he created us to reflect him, to point other people to him. And so just like Harper Rose, when I speak purpose and identity into our life, when we know how God sees us, proving it just becomes the natural thing to do. So we know how God sees us and he made us with this purpose and this identity. Uh, proving it just makes sense. See, God created us for relationship with him first and then to prove the world that he's real is our second, second reason he made us. Like he made us to walk on purpose and for a purpose. And our lives are, are, are here to prove it. Now, have you ever, have you ever like just stretched the truth a little bit when you were telling a story before? I did and I just lied. Um, but I was, I, so I was, I'll take you back. I was in middle school and like, if you could go back with me to middle school, I was like what you picture every middle schooler. I was, looked a little bit like Tom Cruise. Um, I was buff. I was really funny. You know, every middle school, it's probably what you think of. And I grew up in, in, in South Alabama. So I was trying to impress this girl named Jenny Lee. Like that was her real name. That's a good Southern name. And um, so we're at the community pool and I walk and I tell everybody, there's all these guys around. I'm like, I got to show them up for Jenny Lee. And I'm like, what, what, what does a middle school boy need to brag about? I'm like, you see that 15 foot high dive? 
I did a double backflip off that the other day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. And then some kid says, prove it. Like, have you ever just wished you could like vanish or, or like disappear? And in that moment, I'm, sc- I'm scared of heights. And I'm like, I gotta get up there and I gotta prove it. And so like, I was like, mm, I'm terrified. This is the moment I gotta prove it. So I began to climb the ladder. And like, as I'm climbing the ladder, like I'm thinking about what my life would have been like, you know, because I know I'm about to walk to my death. I'm imagining what I would have named my kids. And as a middle school, I'm thinking what I would have ate for lunch later that day. Like all the things that really matter in life. And as I'm walking to the edge of the plank and, and I back up, like I'm just dreaming, man, I would have got my license in like four years, you know, and I'm super excited as I'm backing to the edge because they said, prove it, Right. And then we read in 1 John chapter 1 through 5, where we've been talking about in our series in the book of 1 John, how to prove it. Um, I'll come back to it. I know you're, you're, you're waiting to see what I'm going to do there. Um, we read this. This is the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. And so if we're creating the image of God and we're created by the word of life, as we talked about last week. We are created to be the light. We're, we're made in God's image, so there's purpose, and that purpose of God is light. We gotta walk in the light. We, we're created to be the light. And then there's this one little line that we're gonna come back to later that says there is no darkness in him at all. But see, but we'll circle back to that, but we know this. What does light bring into a room? It brings you joy. Like my daughter has this neon rainbow nightlight. That guys, if you walk in front of our house, like it looks like we got a disco party going on in there. Like it's so bright. But you know what? She sleeps better. I don't know how with this big neon light on. Because light brings joy. It brings peace. It brings comfort. It brings hope. And guys, that's what we're to be. When we walk into the light, we're supposed to bring peace and joy and comfort and hope into every room we, we walk in. Then we read in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 15, this. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and put it, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. See, Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world. Like when he went to heaven, he goes, I want you now to go and be the light. Like you have to make the difference. You're the one that's gonna light up the room. Your job is to prove it. Like Jesus gives us this. He gives us his calling, this mission. He's saying, be bright. He's saying, go shine. Because see, everyone's purpose, no matter where you are in your faith journey, now it's connected with Jesus, but you're here on earth to be the light and to prove it. Now, the best way to do that is in relationship with Jesus. But the reason you're here is to be a light and prove it. And guys, that adds so much purpose to the most mundane job you can do. When you hate life some days because work isn't fun or relationships are tough when you know you're supposed to be the light, it's a, it's a perspective shifter, guys. Because I see, I see my purpose. I see my calling. I see what God's made me to walk in. But it starts. I realize I have to be the light because you have a purpose that you can be fulfilled through, through a relationship with Jesus of being the light. So we're to bring peace and comfort and joy to every room we walk in, um, to every person we encounter. We're, be the, we're to be the light to our family. Um, we're to be the light to Margaret and HR who gets on our nerves. We're to be the, night, the light to that annoying neighbor who lets their bushes grow over into, under our wall. Whatever it is, we're supposed to be the light. But why aren't we the light? Like, how do we walk into the light? The tension for us is, like, how do we walk into the light? Like, how do we be the light? Have you ever wondered? Like, Jesus says, go be the light of the world. And you're like, okay. Do I just smile more? Like, what do you do? Um, I, I think this, the way we bring peace, joy, and comfort, and hope into the world, I believe is two ways. I believe we're the light in how we love each other 
and how quickly we, we ask for forgiveness. Um, the way we love each other. And so, so John is writing, and in 1 John 2, 7, he goes on and he says this. And he's referencing a conversation he had with Jesus. And he's saying, hey, don't forget this moment. And he says this. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment. Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before. I believe this. When God wants to light a room, he sends in a group of believers. Hey, God sends us to be this spotlight of lighting the room and pointing people to Jesus. But you know what? He's going to send in a group of believers to be a light. That is why Hope Valley is planning in the West Valley. That is why Mission Grove is planning in, I think this is North Phoenix. I'm still trying to figure it out. I just know the 101's close. But we're to be the light. And God sends in a group of believers to be the light. And the truth is this. Um, and I love, guys, my, my whole job where I came from in Nashville was, was to activate people to go serve in the community. Um, and so we, uh, on, on some of our special events, just from one campus alone, we could send out 800 people into the community and we can serve. And yes, guys, I'm the most passionate person about serving in the community. And you need to go serve in a project this weekend. But I think you guys need to serve in groups because I believe this. I, hang on, I, I want to show you the, the test of proof of being the light, of making the difference, is this one comment that Jesus made that John's referencing. And it's, it's in this, in John 13, verses 34 through 35. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. I mean, he's about to go to heaven and it's not long before his death. And he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Now listen, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Think about that. The way we light the world and change the world isn't our Instagram post, our Facebook post. It, it, it isn't all the stuff we do in the community, which is great. It is, I promise you, I'm the most passionate advocate about it. But you know what inspires people is the way we love each other. There's a story of a girl, um, we're gonna call her Esso, that we met. So in Nashville, we... Um, what people didn't realize is Nashville has the highest percentage of, of refugees per capita in the country. So like the number of refugees in Nashville um, kind of is, is equivalent to the number of refugees in like say New York City. So there's a lot of foreign born people who have escaped and ended, uh, their countries ended up in Tennessee. And I always think of Esso and um, Esso, would, uh, her family's Muslim. And Esso would always come out to our serve projects and she loved it and she would always get involved. And then one day she said, because we had red shirts, she said, can I have that red shirt? Because I want to make a difference. And so Muslim girl, and, and she sees the people in the red shirts, the Christians serving and, and loving Jesus. And, and she's like, well, I guess, I guess if I want to make the world better, I got to wear a red shirt. She's kind of getting it, you know, little steps there. Um, but I know they're having color wars and kids. So don't tell your kids that I said the red team was better because they might be offended. Um, but I remember Esso this. Um, she's, she's one of my favorite girls I, I met. Um, but I remember one day Esso's dad, um, her mom and dad had, had been really successful here in the U.S. and had got on their feet and had really changed the trajectory of their family's life. And um, their, their dad, Esso's dad, met a, met a girl on uh, Facebook. And of all places to go back to, he went back to Afghanistan and left the family who had based a life on a, on a, on a two-person income now. And, and so the mom is struggling. And the mom can't, can't put food on the table. And, and this Muslim family and the Muslim little girl said, hey, 
do you see how, how that church over there, like the Christians, the, the way they treat each other, I bet we could call them for help and they would pay our bills. And so we did. But the beauty of that moment was, it wasn't all the serving we did. It was how we loved each other in the moment. And that inspired her. And Vanessa comes and she's so excited. She says, Jordan, my mom says, <clears throat> excuse me, that I don't have to be Muslim just because she is. I can be a Christian if I want. It wasn't the kosher hot dogs we gave out. It wasn't the bags of Doritos. It wasn't the inflatables we brought in. She looked at a bunch of Christians that loved serving together and loved each other. And it would inspire a Muslim family to want to follow Jesus. Jesus is saying this. If you want to be a light and you want to light a room, create irresistible community. If somebody could get me a cup of water, like I feel like I'm about to like choke to death up here, and I don't want to have to call the first aid team. So I don't know who to ask for that, but I think I see a lot of people running, great servants who love each other well. He, there we go, point of the message. Peace out, we're gone. Um, so, but um, I think this, Hope Valley's passion is to create a place where people can belong before they believe because they wanna be a part of the community they see us have because the way we love each other is what's gonna point people to Jesus. So you wanna light a room? It's how we love each other. And sometimes it's easier to serve and love a stranger, but I think it's harder to love a family member who's graded on our nerves. It's hard to love if, you, if you're a leader in church, a volunteer that doesn't show up. But here's the thing, the way we love each other will show the world what we believe about Jesus is real. So our love and service in our cities, workplaces, and world is proven authentic when we love those closest to us well. So, or when we give people a cup of water, that is probably, and a straw, thank you. Everybody give him a hand, the hero. <clears throat> and the giving him a hand was give me a chance to sip. So thank you. We, we, teamwork, baby. Um, so the first is this. We say that people, we light the world by how we love one another. And I think lastly is this, how quickly we repent. Um, so I told the story of me getting on the back, on the high dive to do my double back flip to prove it to Jenny Lee that I'm the man, I'm the toughest middle school boy she's ever seen. Um, and uh, so I'm at the edge of the diving board, like I'm, I'm seeing, you know, my 92 Chevy S10 that I was going to get handed down to me that I couldn't wait for um, in a couple years. And I get ready to do this back flip. Um, Guys, I freaking nailed it. I mean, it was awesome. Like, I hit the water. I'm like, I did it. <laughs> oh, of course I did it. You know, I'm the man. So it was the scariest moment, and I nailed this double backflip. I approved it. And then the next day, I was madly in love with Jenny Lee's best friend, because that's how middle school boys go. <laughs> but the truth is, I nailed the double backflip. Um, but if you've been at church at any point, you've heard the, the words, we are the light of the world. And we all know that doing good deeds is a great way to be the light. But I would argue that um, if you really want to land the double backflip, prove it moment for Jesus, it's learn to apologize. I think it's learning to ask for forgiveness. First John 1, 8 through 9. And we, we started earlier talking about that Jesus is the light of the world. And there's no darkness in him. Um, then we read this. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And this is the reality John points out. We're going to sin. 
You're going to mess up. Um, and if you wonder what sin is, um, the dictionary actually defines sin as, sin as this, a willful transgression of divine law or any act regarded as such a transgression, especially a willful or deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle. So I have to say the Bible clearly lays out what sin is. Um, and if you don't believe the Bible, if you're not sure where, where, where you stand uh, with Jesus in the Bible, I would say this. Um, sin is that thing that goes against your moral compass that you said you would never willfully do and then you've done. Um, and so here's the thing. If we know God sees, our sin, sees his son rather than our sin, um, we just need to know God wants us to turn quick from when we mess up. He wants us to repent. He wants us to ask, ask for forgiveness. And I believe this, guys, that the world is less impressed by sinless Christians, but he's, the world is really impressed by authentic Christians who are quick to respond when they mess up. I don't think the world wants us to be perfect, but they want to know that we're going to say we're sorry when we mess up. I will say this, spiritual maturity is very little about how much Bible you can read, and that's important, how much scripture you memorize, and that's good, how much you pray, how much you serve. All these things are great. But the true, true sign of spiritual maturity is when the time from when we sin and when we say, I'm sorry. The time from when we sin to when we repent, repent grows shorter and shorter and shorter to that moment that the thought comes and then you're like, ooh, I better not say that. Or, or whenever you want to send that, that nasty email, that text back, and you're like, yeah, throw the phone because you got to get rid of it because you know you're about to do it. Because, guys, that's what's going to be authentic. That's what's real. And then we read in 1 John 2, 1, we read this, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. And guys, this is, this is actually this amazing verse of hope. But if anyone does sin, and I, I think, I, I like this idea of John saying, I'm writing to you that um, if you do sin, because I think so many times, like we live, we live not to lose instead of live to win. Um, my wife's gonna make fun of me and call me Uncle Rico, but I, uh, I, I played college, I played, no, I did not play college football, sorry. I don't know why I said that. I'm dreaming out loud right now. I played high school football. And, um, you know, my, my junior year, we were the worst team in the state. We were 0-10. And, and my senior year, we, we won everything. We were state champions. And somebody, somebody asked me what was the difference. And this is what I took into even coaching when I started coaching, was we went from being scared to lose to playing to win. And there's a difference. And I think with sin, it's not playing. We don't play not to lose. We play to win. I think that's what John's saying. Don't sin. But if you do, he goes on and says this. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly right, righteous. We're all going to mess up. But there's this idea, idea that Jesus is sitting there talking to God. He's advocating for you. Say, hey, remember, you said you see me, not their sin. I died for that. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's this idea that he's sitting before God advocating for you, saying, hey, you love them. I love them. You created them for a purpose. Let's help them walk in it. And guys, people, people are going to be changed. We're going to prove it. We're going to live a life that makes a difference when we love each other well when we're quick to apologize, when we're quick to ask for forgiveness. That's with each other, and that's with God. Because sometimes it's a lot easier to tell Jesus I'm sorry than to tell your spouse you're sorry. Not that that's me. I'm perfect. I, I always do it really quick. I'm lying. Give me a laugh there. Somebody, please. Thank you. I feel like I should just hold up a sign that says laugh. It seems to be pretty helpful right now. Um, 
when we start talking about how God sees us, and this is why we're here planning Hope Valley, and this is my passion. Um, this is my like double backflip moment um, that, that like Jesus did the double backflip for me. And I had this moment one time when God really stepped on my toes and he told me this. He goes, Jordan, my ultimate plan for your life, I'm more interested in who you're becoming than what you do. Like I care about what you do. Like I've sent you across the country for a reason. But if you're not that person that loves each other, that loves your family well, loves your friends well, if you're not that person that asks for forgiveness, well, you can do the what, great, but I'm more interested in who you're becoming. And see, that's God's plan for your life. He cares what you do, but he really wants, he's more interested in the who than the what. And as we begin to get that right, um, we're gonna make a difference. And I believe that starts with two things, loving each other well. Guys, maybe it means today when you leave, you need to apologize to somebody. And that's gonna be the hardest thing you have to do is to find somebody, maybe it's in person, maybe it's a situation that you don't need to step back into and just a text is okay. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's an Evernote text because you don't even need to start a text back with them. But say you're sorry. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness somewhere. And maybe it's loving each other well. And I think this church, I'm so passionate about this. I believe that the church will be the biggest difference and light in this valley when we create a community that people are dying to be a part of. Like people can't wait to get to the church and they don't even like Jesus and they don't like most of you, but there's something special here and they're gonna show up and they're gonna sit there and they're gonna belong and one day they'll believe. But that starts on how we love each other. That starts with a simple smile. That starts with the way we love our family. To realize that we're the light when we go into, if you have kids, when you go into Chick-fil-A, if you're, if you're single, when you, when you go out, to, when you're hanging out with your, with your friends at night on the weekend, the way you act with each other, that's what's gonna draw people in. That's what's gonna make us the light. Can I pray for you? Jesus, we love you. And I pray that God, you that you help us be the light. And God, there's so many of us in here today that Lord, we oftentimes struggle, um, we struggle to love each other well. So God, in those moments, give us the patience and the wisdom to love our family, to love our friends, to love other people in our church well. God, let our love be contagious. God, let it, and let it be irresistible. I pray that I'm, I pray that people are drawn to us by our love for each other. And Lord, the hardest thing is, is to say, I'm sorry. So God, give us the strength and wisdom to repent. God, first to you. And God, today there may be some of us that we need to repent for something um, to you. We need to say we're sorry. So God, um, let us see that you're loving and you're drawing us in. Like you're not browbeating us, but yet you're saying, hey, I don't see that. I see you. And I forgive you. Just ask for the forgiveness. And God, maybe some of us, we need to go to somebody else and, and ask for forgiveness. And God, wherever that moment is, give us the peace to do it, the strength to do it, and to know that, that, that you're healing and you're doing what only you can do. So God, we thank you um, for your love for us. And God, help us be the light everywhere we go. In 
Jesus' name. Guys, we're going to respond to what we just heard. So if you guys will stand up and worship.